Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 81 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from AmericasCardroom.com, Simply sign up for your account by using any one of the adverts or banners on the OneOuter.com website. This episode and all other previous episodes are on the OneOuter.com website and via iTunes for free. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future episode, then the best way is to email questions at OneOuter.com. You can also tweet them or Facebook them, but really the best way is email. Alex, episode 81, how are you on this Thursday afternoon, Scotland time, morning, Costa Rica? Yeah, I'm good, man, I'm good. Happy to be here, as per usual. We sound like we just got into a fist fight and we, we, somebody forced us to go do, do a podcast. Yeah. Like, like, hey, now they, like... I, it's always weird to me on UFC. It's like now that you've just gotten the living snot beaten out of you, would you like to talk to this on this microphone to yeah. uh, thirty million people? Oh, why I'd love to. Like uh, I feel like you and I are like that today. We're both we're we're both good though. We're both good. Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch the UFC? Actually, speaking about that, the Conor McGregor fight. Yeah, I did, man. That was incredible. Yeah. That was uh, yeah. That, I like. Uh, I, I was reading an article in Sports Illustrated, and they were like, "UFC is ruining their brand because they let uh, Holly Holm uh, not do the rematch. They made her. I, I mean, she went against uh, Misha Tate first, and then they were saying Conor McGregor should have waited, you know, because now like this. And I was like, I think this is what people like about UFC. It's like everything's so engineered and fake in boxing, you know. Like, there's yeah. no chance a a rising star will ever lose a match, right? It'll just be, like, uh, all all you're going to see in boxing is, like, Floyd Mayweather goes in and, like, runs around for 12 rounds and then, like, oh, yep, he wins. Because uh, yeah. no judge is ever going to give it to another guy because that guy will lose his job. It's like, yeah, yeah. but, oh, man, that was a... Uh, uh, McGregor well, got it, man. There is, like, there is, like, an authenticity about it and, like, yeah, anything can happen. They could beat him, and then the next time they fight, it might be different. You know, it's mm-hmm. a lot more. A lot more can happen than boxing, really, isn't it? Right, you know? and I, I think boxing used to be like that, like Jake LaMotta and Sugar Ray Robinson fighting. You know what I mean? You never really knew what would happen. And yeah. uh, I, I mean, like if you watch like the old fights, man, like Sugar Ray Leonard, Mar- uh, Marvelous Marvin Hagler. I mean, these guys were superstars, and they could. They could just fight, man. Like they, they. Were, it was just fun to watch. Like, I was a huge boxing fan when I was a kid. I used to go to a boxing gym, and it, it, it just at some point it was like it was very clear the sport had died. You know, it's like it, it's like it's just gone. You know, so it, it's uh, uh, I, I think UFC is going to take its place in the 
upcoming like two decades. Well, it's even from just a uh, you know standpoint of like a winner, like anything can happen. Like I say, if you go to the floor in boxing, you know there's going to be a count. The ref's going to get in. Whereas in the UFC, they take it to the floor and right. the, the wrong slip at the wrong time or the little like jujitsu maneuver or whatever can and it can be over when you know like it shouldn't be really you know That's in terms really of the point. odds and yeah. stuff. So. It's, it's a lot more... I, I wouldn't fancy betting on UFC fights. Oh, know? hell no. Well, they're, they're a lot harder to call. Yeah, and it's... I mean, I, I like how all these guys have losses. You know what I mean? Even, like... And you watch some of these losses, like Anderson Silva, like, one of his... Uh, one of his few losses was, uh, you know, back in the day when he was just killing it, was... Uh, I, I think it was, like, a Japanese guy who was just getting his ass kicked. And it was just like you said, he... Uh, at some point, he got one takedown, and he, he, you, you could see the look on his face. It's actually pretty funny. You can tell he's like, "This is my only chance to win this," and he yeah. like whips around and just barely gets him into a submission, right, or whatever it was. I can't remember what it was, right? And it was a, uh, it, it was, it, it was. It's amazing because it, you know, it was like, "Oh my God, who can beat this guy?" And then it's like you see that, and it's like, "Whoa," you know, like. Yeah. How, how's that? How does that happen? And it's the same thing with McGregor. It's like, oh my God, this guy's a beast. And then you see him, you know, just get rocked. You know what I mean? It's like, well, I mean, even though he lost, like I respect the dude for going into that fight. You know what I mean? With that beast, like that's the yeah. that's the kind of prize fights I really liked. You know, and it's not like they're trying to protect some, you know, you know, undisputed, undefeated uh, record, which is really based on tomato cans and going after, like, I, I don't know, I hate... Easy fights. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> like, Mayweather, like, Mayweather's like, I beat this guy, and I beat this guy, and it's like, yeah, you beat him eight years outside of his prime, like, and he was dead tired when he got there, because he was, you know, you gave him eight weeks, like, it was, like, yeah, anyway... All right, I, I could go on. I, I could go on about boxing for a long well, time. So for going into poker fights, I believe <laughs> you've got a new a new addition to your arsenal. Uh, your for your listeners and uh, avid fans, you have a new webinar that you're doing this Saturday, I believe, and a lot of people have been talking about it on Twitter, and a lot I know a lot of our listeners have already signed up and are looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, so maybe you want to, this will go out Thursday night, the 10th of March, so it's going to be on the 12th of March, yeah, Saturday. Yeah, sure. it's going to be on. Uh, so you tell you tell the listeners what's on offer, when, and all the, all the details. Well, make my job easier. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, uh, we're doing this new webinar, so I, I, I kept speaking over you, that's my fault. Uh, we have this new webinar, March 12th, uh, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, it's uh, 99.99. It's called the Professionals Mindset. Uh, it's all about, hey, you know, it, it was uh, this was one of those webinars where myself and uh, my friend John we put we put together all the content before, and then uh, naming it has been a little difficult. Discussing it has been a little difficult, but uh, since you got, since you faithful listeners actually listen here, I can explain it a little better. Uh, it, the subtitle is "Unlearn the Damaging Lies You've Been Taught About Poker and Create a Real Path to Success." But let me tell you what that actually means. Um, it, it really occurred to me a couple of years back. I was getting really worried because a lot of my, a, a lot of the guys that played for me, like they would do a lesson with me and they would do the improvements and they would get better. 
And then they just didn't really know where to carry it from that. They didn't really know how to study on their own. Uh, they didn't really know how to manage themselves. And uh, I noticed, you know, the more the years went by, like I always tell people, like everybody, I, I'm sure you guys get tired of hearing this who listen to uh, the podcast, but like I really do tell people, like there is nothing special about me or a lot of different players that make money. It's just more of a matter of, knowing how to manage yourself. And uh, I, I realized uh, recently a lot of these people are a lot smarter than me. A lot of the, uh, you know, like I work with a lot of professionals that from other fields, right? And they're very bright people. Uh, but what, how they go about learning how to play poker is a little off. And how, they're, uh, how they do it on their own is a little off. And when I've corrected it in my private lessons, I've seen really rapid advancement and uh, to the point that's really exciting to watch. Like, and uh, the, essentially the learning process we're going to discuss here, the claim that everybody thinks, uh, the, the one that people are like, there's no way you can do that. Uh, I actually, I sent this to a friend of mine as a mailing list. I was like, would you send this to your mailing list? And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you a percentage, right, of each sale. And they said, uh, you know, they were like, I, I'm not going to do this because, you know, there's no way this is right. Learn how to simulate a thousand hours of poker study in one hour. And I was like, well, let me give you an example, right? And then, uh, well, actually, I kind of I kind of screwed up the conversation <laughs> because I, I, I was tired. But uh, I, I was just more peeved than anything. But, like, like – uh, an example uh, I'm going to be giving, I, I mean, like, I'll give you an example from a lesson yesterday. It was, uh, now let's say, uh, like, okay, I'll give you a different example. Let's say uh, uh, you have uh, a pocket eights and the board is 9-5-2. Uh, there's two different situations. The effective stacks are 35 big blinds. Uh, uh, it's 9-5-2, 9 hearts, 5 of clubs, 2 of clubs. Uh, these are your two options. A, you can call down. Uh, you'll call any turn, even if it's an overcard, just because you know that person can bet to call that overcard. Uh, on the river, you will call, and you know for a fact he bets any missed flush draw, any value bets, any second pair or greater, right? So on the river, you'll call if it's not, a th if it's not another overcard, right? You know he'll jam second pair or better, and you know he'll jam with any missed draw. Okay, so that's option one. Second option is you raise and turn your hand into a bluff on the flop, and he jams with a five or better. What is the superior option? I didn't know this when I had played seven million hands. I, I'd, I'd played uh, I, I'd played poker for seven eight years before I learned this. Uh, now that I've done a lot of these with Cardrunner's EV, the Cardrunner's EV calc could take like 10 minutes to get the answer for that, 10 minutes maximum. And uh, the, the answer is if you turn your hand into a bluff, it's actually a slightly superior play uh, compared to if the guy is actually triple barreling pretty well. But a lot of guys I know have never turned their hand into a bluff ever. Like they, they've never turned their hand into a bluff there. And there is some logic for why you wouldn't want to turn your hand into a bluff there Obviously, if you start raising, trying to cash out your equity every single time, uh, you know, the board, it, whenever whenever, whenever it, the board comes slightly favorable toward you, 
uh, that's going to become pretty obvious pretty quickly. And also there's times the guy just never barrels the turn uh, unless he has something, in which case that person is very easy to play. So there's no reason to raise, turn your hand into a bluff. There's also sometimes your opponent got into a fight with his girlfriend before he came into the card room and he's just going to barrel everything you can imagine on turn and river, in which case you should trap, right? Uh, But generally in a case where you know the guy's pretty aggressive and good, uh, you can turn your hand into a bluff. Now, that was a play I learned. Uh, It took me about four, eight minutes to do the initial analysis uh, to change some of the parameters. What if he jams only nine, a nine or greater? What if he jams any pair? What if he... Uh, you know, what if he jams this? Uh, to go through all that, that takes another five minutes. And then to do another, like, 20 of these, which I didn't do all at the same time, but I've done over the years, uh, it probably takes around an hour. And now uh, I have a memory of they, – they were asking Daniel Negrano, like, how do you deal with hyper-aggressive players? And he goes, well, I raise to find out where I'm at, right, a lot more often. And then, you know, and this is one of those things, I, I just think Daniel Negreanu is old school and he knows what works, perhaps just doesn't know the correct terminology. Uh, or not the correct terminology, just the more favorable terminology to reveal his genius. Uh, but it, it's like, it. Uh, I, I realized when I heard that, I was like, that is absolutely right. That's a great play to have in your back pocket. But if I had just had all this data what most people do is they just do a bunch of like, I'm going to watch this video and I'm going to watch that video and I'm going to watch this video. And they never take notes and they talk hands with their friends a lot of the time. And uh, they, they're what took me an hour of study. They will not learn in a thousand hours because what they're doing really is just kind of uh, they're just uh, they're just kind of talking shop for the sake of talking shop, uh, which mm-hmm. doesn't really do a whole lot for you. And the card runner's EV calc doesn't take a lot. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, this is Donnie. And I was like, guys, okay, I, I took a placement exam to go to an inner city college. They said I had to go back to ninth grade math. If I can figure this out, I'm pretty sure you can, okay? And uh, they, it's this study method, what I've shown, uh, the study method, and that, that was a very condensed version of one type of the study method. There's a lot of other stuff that we discussed uh, in the webinar, Uh, it's the same study method that a friend of mine, well, one of my first students used, he was playing $20 MTTs when I met him. He now plays EPT high rollers. Uh, This is the same, uh, this is the same process I used. Uh, This was something a lot of people were like, oh my God, this is just too, uh, when I wrote the initial like email, I write really off the cuff uh, to my, to my readers and the, you know, a lot of people were like, you did not go from the ghetto to mansions. And I was like, no, I literally like I started in, uh, I started in casino road Everett, which I was living with a very loving family. And it was a very, uh, that took me in during high school. But, uh, I, I did, uh, rent out their, uh, I, I did rent out their, uh, garage essentially. <laughs> and, uh, there was no running water and there was no, uh, there was no heating, and uh, you can Google Casino Road Everett. It's, it's certainly not uh, Palm Springs. And uh, I went from that and playing like $1 MTTs, and I never deposited. I, and I ran that up to, you know, living, uh, li- living in a million-dollar condo atop Seoul, living in a condo on the Mediterranean, and renting a mansion with a private beach. 
in Costa Rica, and none of this took fantastic intelligence. It just took a little different financial management, a lot of hard work, and knowing what to put in the hours. So that's what I call the professional's mindset. We're going to discuss what you what you should be learning. How we're going to go into how you should be learning it. Uh, obviously, there's some time constraints, so I can't give everything. Uh, you know, I can't be like for this situation this works, for this situation that works. On through every situation in poker, but I I can give a lot of like good ideas as to where to start, and uh, we'll fill that out more. Uh, we're going to be starting to do a lot more webinars, so I'm going to you know I'm going to fill out more. Uh, stuff like that coming up and uh the myth of poker talent will definitely address a lot of that and uh i'm also going to show you why so many poker players should not be teaching you anything uh there's one of the worst another thing that hurts a lot of professionals is they listen to whoever's successful at poker at that time and there's a lot of evidence that most of these guys really do not deserve their success and they're not re they really should not be teaching you and we're going to talk about how to find a good coach versus a bad coach and uh using the method I used which has led to me turning down like I I I've had like very very successful players like guys that were like tearing up the live tour be like hey man why don't we meet and we'll talk you know we'll we'll talk shop one of these days and, you know, I, I didn't know who the hell they were and I, I, because I don't pay attention to poker media. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I read interviews with them. I listened to how they talked about the game. I watched them play. Uh, and I, I politely, you know, I didn't really think – the guy's not really a friend of mine. So I, I – and I, my schedule is really packed, so I politely declined. And people were like, how the hell could you decline an invitation for that person? Well, a couple of years later, nobody knows who that person is. Yet some of the people I've been like, teach me everything you know. People are like, that guy plays one, two, no limit. What could that guy teach you? Well, that guy's now recognized as like one of the better players, one of the best coaches, etc. I can tell you how I found, how I could figure out what information I needed to pay attention to and what I had to ignore. And everything here is backed up by research. Everything I have tried with my students, my thousand plus students, uh, if it did not work, I took it, you know, I took it off. The other thing that's really exciting about this webinar is uh, my friend John Wood, who's a former Marine and works with the Wounded Warrior Project, and he's getting his master's in psychology right now. This is what he's studying uh, in uh, it, getting his master's is, uh, is peak performance. And uh, pretty much everything I've used uh, to you know, get where I've gotten in life to make a good living at poker. I kind of ran up the flagpole with him and I said, like, does this, you know, hold water? Is there clinical research that backs it up? And if it didn't, you know, if clinical, the clinical research uh, di disproved it, we just didn't put it in there because then I, I figured it was just a habit that worked for me. I didn't, you know, I, I might mention it, but I, everything we put in there has worked really well for like, people who are trying to become really good performers really quickly. And uh, I think this is going to be a little bit of a different webinar. Uh, I don't mean to make it sound like you're going to be living in mansions and stuff like that. Uh, it, 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 like if you just watch it and then, you know, play for six months and three weeks, but <laughs> it's, uh, I, I, I'm letting you know that that's like the tip top of what's possible. Right. 
And my friend who got into the EPT high rollers, that's the, that, that's like, that is a guy who does this several hours a day. You know what I mean? This is a guy who's studying constantly. And he's also a very, just, he's an incredibly hard worker, but we're, what we're talking about is if you're a working professional, how good can you get? John Wood uh, did work as a professional poker player. He's now getting his master's in psychology. I really celebrate that decision. I think that's a much, I think that's just a lot that does a lot more for people. And, uh, you know, po- it, poker, it's good that he played professionally so he knows what's going on. But I think it's really good that he's putting himself through school. And uh, I think that's a wonderful use of what you can take from poker, right? And, uh, you know, I've played poker professionally for 10 years, but now I've moved into, you know, uh, uh, just, just trying to look at real estate around here. I own my own studio. I, uh, I own a physical therapy clinic. And uh, I, I'm working on trying to become an author. I just sold my first book. And uh, I've traveled a lot of the world. And what I'm really trying to do is make a game plan through the next couple webinars for people who are hard workers, perhaps not, you know, I don't want you to have to be a savant to understand my methods. I want anybody who checks out my methods to be able to make money from professional poker. And, you know, it's not going to be like, uh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to take a lot of work to get into the stratosphere like my friend who plays the EPT high rollers did, but it is very possible to make a good living, live a very good life to travel, to be able to make your own schedule and invest times in other projects you love uh, just through understanding the way that the professionals think. And I, the, a professional is a very different person than a great poker player. Uh, Stu Unger, probably one of the greatest poker players of all time, horrible poker professional. There's a lot of guys I know I used to make fun of back when I was about that tour life. And uh, I was like, dude, you, you know, you sit around, you play your $50 sit and goes and your $100 no limit. Man, like, you got to get on the tour. You got to go for the big money. Well, those guys now own three homes and take their wives to the opera on Thursday nights. And, you know, I kind of, we're friends still. And I'm like, dude, you knew the whole time, didn't you? And he was like, yep, yep, I did. And he was like, and, you know, I've learned from them. I, I've, I've put this into my own life. I've improved my own life through these methods. And this is kind of the fun thing about it, Barry, is like, I get to help other people and I get to help myself. You know what I mean? So it's, a, it's because as I'm writing this, I, I, I learn more about myself and about what works. So yeah, the professional's mindset that's March 12th, Saturday, uh, uh, 9999. Uh, go, go ahead and write me at assassinocoaching.gmail.com if you have any questions. If you can't make it on Saturday, you can just order it and then I will send you a video of the lesson when it's available. Uh, I will send you like pretty much the day we're done. Uh, I will send you a video of it. Uh, but you can, uh, if you pre-order it, you will get a copy of the webinar uh, as soon as it's available. But afterward, uh, after uh, it is done on March 12th, like on March 13th, you will not be able to buy it for a month because I want to give the early adopters a month exclusively with the product 
So, you know, be sure to get in so you can get this a month before everybody else. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good time. I'm really psyched. Uh, John, John and I worked our asses off on this one, Barry. It's going to be, it's going to be a good time. I can't, I can't wait to see you all out there on Saturday. Yeah, it sounds good. And the, as I say, there is a lot of people, listeners, that have messaged me and also tweeted me saying they're really looking forward to it. So oh, uh, awesome. I hope it, goes, hope it goes well and I hope a lot of people, I'm sure they will. I, I already know they're going to get a lot out of it. Um, okay, let's get into questions for this show. And sure. right, this one is a big hand history. So, do you want the big hand? Do you want the big hand history first, or do you want like let's go a little it. bit? Let's go for it. Let's go. For let's it. go for it. Yeah, you were waiting to say let's get out of the way, weren't you? But, <laughs> let's <get laughs> let's go. Let's go. It's from Slim, who I believe has uh, messaged in before, maybe a few months ago. Is definitely familiar. Uh, hi, Barry, Alex. Appreciate you guys taking time to answer my previous questions. They've been a great help. I know questions are needed for you to keep this podcast format alive, and so you appreciate them, but please let me know if there's anything I can do to give back or help in any way, as I really value your advice. Go to the webinar. Yeah, sign up for the webinar. I work work in the financial markets. Let me know if you'd like some pieces of advice with anything that relates to that. I'd love to be able to give something back. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I appreciate that. Anyway. I'm sure Alex does as well. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, in any case, my question is about a situation I encountered that kind of relates what I've asked before: risk in tournament life. I made day two of a three-day sixteen hundred and fifty dollar buy-in tournament. I had a top ten stack out of about one hundred and fifty players left, and about forty get paid near the start of the day. I have 140 big blinds, and Villain has around 110 big blinds. You, I, I'm been, sorry, how many big blinds does he have? He has 140, oh, okay, and okay. Villain has 110. Okay, this uh, interesting. Yeah, um, I've been fairly active in late positions since table is weak and on the tighter side. I open four big blinds with Jack-9 of diamonds in late position and get called only by an early position limper. A normal life player, little talent, plays straightforward. Uh, flop comes seven, eight, ten, rainbow. Uh, flop not straight. Villain checks. I bet seven big blinds and get raised to twenty big blinds. I'm almost a hundred percent certain the villain has a set, as he's not someone who will get so aggressive with pairing straight draws here. Possibly two pair, but I doubt that due to the early position limp. My question is, what to do here? I see three possible paths for turning river. Four pairs, I lose about 30% of the time. Four puts out a four to a straight card, I possibly lose and get in value on future streets about 40% of the time. Board comes out clean on both turn and river, I get all the money about 30% of the time. I think I can easily get money in aggressively on any street, assuming no straightening cards come out. It's pretty much up to me against such an opponent. So with such a large stack, should I go for the double up ASAP or wait for a safe card? And then I'll I'll keep the spoiler for when you, uh, you know. You I, I I think you should go for it right now. Uh, the the problem being, if you do think the guy has such a strong hand, I uh, the, the pro- I don't think his range is as nutted as you think it is. I think a lot of times it can be some weaker two pairs, and it can be some over pairs, uh, which uh, you do you know do have some cards that could take you out, but more importantly, they have a decent equity share in the pot, 
And if you do get them to fold out, that's actually a really good result. Uh, that's, I mean, you're already going to win a terrific amount from this pot. Uh, the other thing about this hand is, uh, I think a lot of times you just get a clean double up. I think you're overestimating how good a lot of live players are. I've seen the most, I, I've been in your situation a lot of times before where I think, okay, this guy has a set of eight and then we get it in. I'm like, okay, he has a pair and an open ended straight draw and, uh, he's essentially drawn dead. And uh, you do want to make sure that you do not pass up on the chances to get your opponent all in for 200-something big blinds essentially drawn dead. And I think that does happen a lot. There's a lot of times uh, the guy gets it in with an overpair, in which case it needs a, he needs a lot more help than if the board overpairs. Uh, there's a lot of times... Uh, uh, there is a lot of times, like, the guy just gets it in with a pair and a straight draw, uh, there's a lot of times a guy gets it in with two pair. Essentially, this guy could make two big adjustment mistakes, which I see a lot in 365, uh, which is, uh, one, uh, they get it in way too wide. You you can win a, a huge, huge pot. Uh, the other thing is he folds a little too tight, in which case you win a decent-sized pot when he had a pretty good equity share and you risk the variance. I think the way you increase your variance is too flat here. Uh, just because if it comes four to a straight on the turn, I think you lose a lot of the value you were about to get. Uh, if the turn pairs uh, and you fold to a C bet, there's a, there's a lot of times the guy just has an open-ended straight draw with a pair, and he bets again and you fold. And there's a lot of times, uh, I, I, I notice in your language, I, I notice you're very risk-averse. Uh, this is... Uh, now, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. Something that John Wood taught me is uh, I used to always rag on myself. I was like, I'm the most pessimistic person I know when it comes to poker. And he goes, one day he said, well, you're supposed to be. It was like, if you, if you imagine a blackjack table with uh, a guy who has 20 and he goes, hit me, I, I'm feeling it, dealer. That is an mm -hmm. uh, optimistic person. That doesn't necessarily mean he's a good gambler. Uh, you... You just abhor making a bad bet, and you're very pessimistic about bad bets, and that's what makes you see good bets. The problem is, so I, I'm, I'm with you here, brother. I, I'm very risk-averse as well. I hate getting my money in uh, in an incorrect situation. I do bet folds I think a lot of players would never dream of, and I have slow played here when I'm positive the guy can only have a set. My guess is you do not have enough data if this is the guy you play live with, you know, like every day, and uh, you know for a fact he would never check raise less than a set here, then I apologize. I, I was wrong. But I think most of the time that's not the case. So I think you do need to get the money in here. And uh, you, uh, poker players have to be uh, – you have to be very, very I, – I don't know if risk-averse is it, but like the best business people I know – this was something Gene Simmons said. He's, he he said, a dollar save isn't the same as a dollar earned. A dollar saved is uh, is the same as a uh, dollar fifty earned, because you're are a, a dollar. Uh, what what was it? It was the same as two dollars earned because he, you're gonna he's gonna have to pay fifty percent tax on mm -hmm. two dollars earned, and then it becomes one dollar. And uh, the money you save spends just the same as the money you earn. 
right? It's uh, now obviously this is a tournament, so that doesn't exactly apply. But uh, but a lot this goes for a lot of things in poker. The chips that you take to the final table that you saved uh, are just as good as the chips that you earn. So you don't have to be uh, you do you do have to be a little careful. The, the, I don't want to dissuade you. I don't want you just firing your chips in constantly. I think it's really good you didn't just see the nuts and then go, okay, you know, time to go to war. There are some really good players, like some much better poker players than I am, who do wait to see that safe turn a lot of the time when they know for a fact the guy can only have a set. Uh, but those situations are a lot rarer, a lot more rare than uh, you would assume. And a lot of those times those guys just get it in because the other part of the Poker Pro is you have to be ruthless about the money you do get. Every time you check back or play it slow when you had the best hand and it was really likely your your opponent was going to get it in with a hand that just wasn't uh, had no equity, you should be kicking yourself. And the most obvious situation for that is the river. Because on the river, you know, the guy has no future equity that he can realize. So if you have the best hand, you have the best hand, period, and he has 0% equity. So every dollar you get him to put in there is just another dollar for you. And uh, a lot of the times you're not positive you have the best hand, but you know 70, 60% of the time you have the best hand, 80% of the time. So you increase the pot accordingly. But I see a lot of tournament poker players, and I'm worried you're going to fall into this trap of just like, okay, let's just play it safe. I don't, I, you know, I don't want to play this big old pot. Uh, you're a hundred people out. You're really far out, right? Uh, you're not, this is a lot different than if, you know, if you were at the final table and you, you and this guy both had a hundred big blinds and every other stack of the final table is 15, 20 X. And by all means, you, well, actually you probably should just jam with the nuts then because if you get him to fold anything that's, good and he should not be playing that big pot ever but if you know for a fact he has a set by all means go ahead and play it slow you know don't go for uh do not go for just you know letting it all hang out there when you uh possibly when that would be an icing disaster you and him getting all your money in there so uh i i think you've i i think you asked a very good question uh, Slim, I, I really appreciate you bringing it in. I, I hope that's provided some guidance. Yeah, and like you say, live players and stuff, he's never pulled a set anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, well, uh, I, I, I think his uh, I think his thinking is like, I'm going to wait to the turn when I have a much greater equity percentage and then I'll jam for value. Yeah. And then if you know the turn does pair, uh, perhaps I could just you know, I could just call it down as opposed to getting all the money in and being out of this tournament. But I, I think a hundred people on out, you're, you're dog fighting at that stage. You, you think like 250 big blinds is going to be a lot. Uh, those, those live tournaments go up in uh, blinds and annies like very fast. I could very well become 18 X within six hours. So, you know, mm-hmm. go for those chips. And uh, you had the spoiler is I called the 20 big blinds on the flops and the turn paired the 10 and I had to fold to another 20 oh. big blinds laid out. 
So results orientated. No, you, you call. You call for that hand. Yeah. Yeah, you call. So I, <laughs> so I survived and then went on to basically bubble out of the tournament. Uh, it was still fun though. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I mean, I'm glad you had fun, man. You know? uh, yeah, I mean, the little, little, too, little. I. Here's the thing, though. Every poker player I know who's made a ton of money at poker can make a big laydown. Uh, the, the guys who can make a ton of money at poker can make a triple barrel bluff and not really worry about it, and they can make a big laydown and not really worry about it. Uh, the, all the guys that I consider hacks, uh, this is one thing from the webinar. I can tell a guy is a flash in the pan if he just never folds. Like if every time on the river, there's a lot of times like the guy on the river goes, God, what do I do here? Okay, okay, I call. And it's, I, I, was, I was looking at my friend. I was like, he wasn't thinking about anything. He just wants to call, right? And then, you know, the guy's right like twice. He gets a big final table. And, you know, I, I tell you, I've done this before. I've talked to a young guy and I've been like, look, dude, I, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but I think you're just calling the river because you can't let another man win, right, in a pot. And I think you're going to have to improve that. And, you know, it's like, the, dude, I just won a poker tournament. And what the hell do you know, right? And I mean, mm. not in that, those words, but in so many words, right? And then, you know, uh, God, I wish I could say names on this show, but they're they're just, uh, you know, they're, you can't, you can't, I can't, I, I can't, I know, I know, I can, I just, uh, uh, it, it, uh, well, this one particular guy could probably kill me, but yeah, anyway, uh, there's a, it, it, that's just happened so many times, and it's like, if I see the guy can't make a laydown, I know it's a flash in the pan because you need to make big laydowns and know them and hold them, and you already got that, but now you need to get the other part of the equation, which is you know, going for the big barrels, going for the big pots without fear. Okay, um, next question is from Thomas. Uh, hello, sir. You won't believe what inspired to write uh, for me to write you this email. It was a scene from the movie Lincoln. Lincoln and Grant were sitting in front of the house and they led what I call an after-battle profound dialogue. Uh, there is a lot of relative, uh, relief in that scene after the battle. There is also a lot of evaluation. Like Grant said, by outward appearance, you look 10 years older than you looked a year ago. To get to the point, I'm a big fan of yours. Thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> am I, am I, I 10 years that. older? But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you look 10 years older than you did a year ago. Um, I have seen hundreds of hours of your videos. I read a lot of your articles and guess your main message is that with hard work, a person can achieve something. I like that message ever since uh, I see you as a kind of mentor, passive, not even knowing, but still. So I have seven weeks of college left and I'm going to end one battle, but I have a few questions. I've tried to write to you before, but most of it was whining kid messages, so I, I get why I didn't get an answer. It was enlightening in a way. So I'm 24 and I've been around poker since 15, but I started to care seriously in 2013. I didn't skyrocket at all. I won a scoop in 2014, made some money, but soon after that I screwed it. This is my main worry. Do I have it? Can I really achieve something after mediocre, undisciplined few years with a one-hit wonder? After reading a few articles of yours, I know that I will need to mix it with work. But I'm afraid sometimes it really doesn't look good. Sincerely, I am not good with people. I'm 24 and I'm always scared to death because of next PowerPoint. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, this is one of the reasons I would love to make money by myself and not to join some zombie corporation. I'm still fighting with Tilt, but I really like poker. 
solving problems is something fulfilling and profound. So, Mr. Lincoln, is there a way for 24-year-old fuck-up to make money, <laughs> to make money in poker uh, while looking at barely 18-year-old sharks as high rollers? Parents want me to use my degree, I get it, but what I would like to do is try uh, get a job at the library and play poker at nights. Thank you and good luck, Thomas. Well, uh, all right, Mr. Lincoln is in. Let's see if I uh, let's see what kind of notes I have in my top hat. I, I the whole time there I was trying to freestyle an a- Abe Lincoln joke, thinking, and I was like, nope, can't come up with one. But uh, no, man, um, you know I read this email and I I, I really appreciate you sending this to me. Uh, first things first, the reason I didn't respond to you before is probably because I didn't see it. There was a time we were getting like a hundred emails a day, and essentially my uh. My my assistants were just they they scanned for the ones that were really important, you know, like somebody being like, I need my lesson video, or I need to do, get a lesson for my my stable by this date. And uh, if, if we didn't see that, you know, a lot of times we would put it into a folder we'd get to later, and it just didn't get to. So I, I apologize for that. Now, ever since I made the de- declaration, Barry, that I'm off my email. I get a lot fewer emails, <laughs> like so. That's it. a lot more people read this than I mean, listen to this uh, podcast than I expected. So okay, so I guess you're Grant in this equation, uh, if we're doing Lincoln Grant. But uh, let's. Uh, I I mean, essentially, here's the thing. Uh, I I think you're worried about a lot of things that you don't need to be worried about. Okay, so these 18 year old whiz kids do well on the tour. If that kid is a prodigy, he is a genius, a lot of times those guys started playing poker when they were 12 years old. Like, literally, like, they, their older brother, like, let them use an account. So even though you can't see it, that's six years of experience, right? And, uh, you know, 14-year-old kids don't have a whole lot to do, right? And uh, if they don't have a whole lot to do, they probably just play poker all day, right? And, I mean, this guy's probably experienced a little positive variance, but... The fact you're comparing yourself to other people uh, worries me because there's no need to do that in poker. I mean, it's not like if you were trying to play basketball professionally and, you know, you were 23 and it just wasn't happening and these these spry 18-year-olds coming in, that that would make a little more sense to me. But uh, (laughs) poker, I, I mean, there's guys like Lee Childs have come into poker in their 60s and have just crushed, right? And, uh, there's a lot there's no age limit like Eric Seidel is one of my favorite players to watch uh he's in his 50s Phil Hellmuth is I still think one of the greatest tournament players in the world he's in his 50s right so you have plenty of time you have plenty of time to learn that that, that's one thing uh second uh the fact that you succeeded once shows that you can probably do it again okay that you handled yourself well at one final table you want to scoop. Uh, it's a lot like it's a lot more likely that it will happen again. It's usually getting the first one that's really difficult. Um, it's really good that you got your degree. Uh, it's really important just to, I, I I mean just to make your parents happy. I think I think it's good. And then if you know, God forbid, poker just gets outlawed in your country and you have like a wife and kid one day, you you want to be able to fall back on your degree. Uh, I, I think it's just good you 
got the discipline and you worked and you got your degree. And by the way, this is from a guy who doesn't really like college. I think, well, the colleges in the United States are, you know, adult daycare. Uh, you know, where, I don't know if you've heard this, Barry. They're like, they, they're, they're afraid of, what was it? They need safe areas where they, there can't be inflammatory speech. Some, 70% of millennials now uh, support restricting free speech as long as they think the free speech is damaging. I can't believe that. But yeah, anyway, uh, I, I know where you're from and I know uh, Thomas and I know school is a little more rigorous there. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty glad you got that discipline. You're 24. You have all the time in the world. I feel like I have all the time in the world. I'm four years older than you, right? And uh, essentially, uh, I think your idea of becoming a librarian and playing poker at night is fantastic. Librarian's a job that doesn't take a ton of energy, so you'll have a lot more energy reserved at night. Uh, like if there was, if there's a job that's not like if you were working at like a restaurant for eight, 10 hours a day, and then you came home and tried to play poker, that'd be really difficult because you would be super stressed by the time you came home. And it might be really hard to reset and then play some calm poker. But if you are essentially meditating and handing people books all day at the library, I think, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's good. You're 24. You have no dependents. You have, do you know how many guys I, I, I have a lot of guys who are like in their forties and they have a couple kids and they have a wife and they have a mortgage and they're like, can I make this happen? I still think they can. I think that's a lot of what we're working on in the upcoming webinars are if you have one hour a day, how can you keep simulating that thousand hours of practice over and over and over again until you're a really badass poker player who can break out even if you're uh, in your forties, even if you do have another job, uh, how can you, and I mean, it doesn't, another thing, by the way, uh, just, the professional's mindset isn't for people who just want to become a professional. It's for people who want the professional mindset. I should, I should have said that earlier. But we, uh, you, you, you know, at 24, you have all the time in the world. There's all the, it, 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 in, I, I mean that in a day-to-day -day thing. There's this thing Americans do, uh, Barry, that, that is incredible to me. And it's like, man, I really want to become a screenwriter but I just don't have the time for it. And I'm like, I'm like, you don't have the time for it. You're 26 and you live in a studio apartment and you work eight hours a day. You don't go to school. What do you mean you don't have time for it? It's like, yeah, man, but dude, I'm bartending and uh, <clears throat> I'm bartending and, you know, that's eight hours a day. And it's like, what, do you, do you sleep 16 hours a day? Like you have eight hours when you get home. If you sleep six hours a night, you'll have 10 hours. A lot of people would love... You know, there's a lot of people in other countries that work 14-hour days at a coal mine to barely support themselves and their sick mother. And you, you can't, you know, a, 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 the library is open to everybody. You know, you can make coffee at home on your little machine and put it in a thermos. It'll cost you 22 cents. The, uh, the thermos is going to cost you, what, $20, right? And you'll never have to buy it again. You take it, take it to the public library and you can just sit there and study, right? Or you can write your screenplay, or you can do a lot of these things. And with poker, you know, you don't have any dependents, I assume. Uh, your, parents want, your parents have to want you to use your degree. They're just worried you're going to be... They, parents just don't understand. Uh, they just don't want you to be, de you know, destitute. But you've got to take your shot, man. You've got to 
You, because if you don't do it, you're going to wonder for the rest of your life whether you should have done it or not. Uh, and uh, the other thing is life is really uh, – it's not about failure or success because every successful person I've ever met has the same story, which was I started school. It was really rigorous. I started a lot of side jobs. I tried this business. I was a failure. I tried this business. I was a failure. I tried this business, it didn't work out, and then one day it all came together with this business. Or it was like every musician has the same story. Yeah, we were touring for like 10 years and uh, just not really getting traction. If you asked us in year eight, did you know you were going to be big? We would have said no. Uh, There's Mm. no chance. Even like overnight successes, like Linkin Park is supposed to be an overnight success. Linkin Park was working for five years before they got noticed, before anything happened, right? The big thing is you're in the game. You've got to be in the game. And in the game doesn't mean like clocking in, clocking out for a corporation, right? You can do that if it provides a pretty stable paycheck. But after you get off work, you've got to be in the game again, right? You've got you, you to be going to real estate school or you've got to be going to night school. You've got to be, get, you know, you gotta be taking night classes. You've got to be studying poker. You've got to be playing uh, in I'll tell you one thing. It lasts a lot longer if you can do it this way. I really like that you want to get a job. I've known thousands of guys that, you know, mom and dad let them stay at their house. uh, And, you know, after they dropped out of college, they made some money at poker. They started traveling everywhere. They thought they were a baller. They got an apartment, uh, you know, spent all their money on 10,000 things. And then, you know, went bust in poker and went home to their parents, right? never managed the money well. Uh, a lot of the guys that came from another form of work never managed themselves poorly because they didn't want to go back to what they actually had to do to make a living. You know what I mean? And by the way, there's nothing wrong with living with your parents. Like I moved away in high school and I, I'm really glad I made that decision because it made me more independent uh, at a very young age. I can't believe, Barry, like there's people you're <laughs> – there's most of my friends my age, like back home, like millennials, they, they just still live with their parents. Like they're 20, they're 28 years old. They still live with their parents. Right. And it's like, yeah, I got my degree. I don't, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. What'd you get? What, what'd you get your degree in? Uh, you know, transgender native studies. I can't find a job. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and it's like, okay. And then, uh, you know, not saying, you know, if that's what you want to study, that's cool. But man, you got to be in the game. You got to have another you have, a, have to have another side gig, you know what I mean? You've got to be knowing what to do. And, uh, I mean, this is the problem with a lot of the – I get so worried when I hear the rhetoric with a lot of people, and it's like, you know, I, I worked a job at this plant, and I was making $35, $45 an hour. And, uh, I, you know, and then one day they moved the shop to Mexico, and now I don't have a job, and I'm working at McDonald's. And it's like, well, dude, if – you know, if – if this one like golden opportunity is gone and you're worth $7 an hour, I'm sorry. That's what you're worth. Uh, just because somebody bestowed upon you a job for $35, $45 an hour, which didn't really, I mean, this is not how the economy works. If you're doing a job that requires no skills, eventually they're going to find someone to do it for cheaper. You need to develop some skills that other people do not have. So while you were making $35, $45 an hour, you probably should have been getting off of work and then going to school. You probably should have been figuring out something like that. And uh, the, the thing, Thomas, is uh, 
the big thing is you just got to get in the game. And that can be poker. That can be a lot of things, right? But you got to get in the game and you got to start hustling, right? It's a lot. It's good. It's just you got to get in and you got to start working. And the, the work is a reward in itself. If you can learn how to work correctly in poker, if you can learn how to study correctly, how to apply your time correctly, and how to – the real joy in poker to me is finding the money other people can't, like uh, getting the money from like very soft games, right? Not necessarily – like winning a big scoop is like very flashy, but there's a lot of people trying to do that. That's a very competitive market. However, uh, there, there's not as many people like playing on local poker sites like 100NL. There's not a lot of people playing on sports books uh, where the software is really terrible or something like that. Uh, there's a lot of uh, different places you can make money from, and a lot of people just aren't really applying themselves. And then when they make the money, they're not like currency leveraging. They're not uh, making a living in a country where the U.S. dollar is worth a lot. A lot of people would do anything you know, to make U.S. dollars in different parts of the world. And, they, you know, poker players just have this gift and they don't use it like ever, you know. And it's uh, – it, a lot of people are like, I don't want to leave home. And it's like really with, you know, with Skype having webcams and being absolutely free, you know what I mean? You can look and talk with your family and you can call them every day for free no matter what part of the world you're in. And you're not – you know, <laughs> you're going to uh, – you, you, you're just going to restrict yourself to the same town you were born in. Like, I can't imagine if I, I, if I tried to get my whole life to work out of Kodiak, Alaska, like I, I just can't imagine what my life would have been like. Not, not that I, I just, I was thinking of birth city, but even let's see, uh, Bothell, Washington, uh, where I grew up. Right. Uh, I, I just can't imagine like trying to make my life work there, trying to, uh, trying to compete with the people that were making $120,000 a year at, at a Microsoft, trying to rent in that area, right? Like if I just kept living in Seattle, that would have been so brutal. But it's more, uh, you, you just got to get in the game. You got to, there is a ton of hope. There's a great chance you can make a good living. But I think you should ask yourself, what is it you really want from poker? Do you want to be your own man? Do you want to make your own schedule? Do you want to be your, a master of your own fate? Then poker's really for you. If you want to make, a lot of people tell me, I want to make money at poker. I'm like, well, the average salary in poker is 30000 The average McDonald's manager makes $50,000 a year. You want money, go work at McDonald's. Like literally mm -hmm. go work at McDonald's. You'll make more money. And they're like, well, dude, you know, and they, they, they get pissed with me. It's like, that's not the sexy interpretation I had of poker. Like, you know, and it's like, well, dude, I, I'm not saying you can't out earn the average salary and I'm not saying you can't multiply it by 10 by moving to a country where the, the, the dollar is worth so much more. But I'm telling you, if you just want to make money uh, and you want to live in your country, like the, if you want to live in the States, the, the option is going uh, and working at McDonald's. Working at McDonald's is much more likely. You can probably become a manager in nine months given their turnover, and you'll get $50,000 a year. That's the average salary, which out-earns most professional poker players. And you might even get some health benefits, which I get, you know, I pay so much money for my own health insurance, uh, for, you know, uh, the 
obviously the mortgages you get when you don't have a like typical job aren't exactly as much as favorable as you'd like. And there's just a lot of stuff that ends up, there's a lot more costs you don't even think of. Right. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of random taxes that come up when you're self-employed. And there's, uh, there's a lot of times like you, you didn't fill this expense sheet, right? So we're going to charge you more for this. I just had that help happen uh, with my insurance here. And it's, a, it, it's, you know, it, there's a lot of hours you lose because you're filing out all this paperwork to file your taxes, to file uh, for other things that you're doing in real, real life. And, uh, but if you desire to be the master of your own fate, I never wanted to work for other people. I just couldn't deal with it. I didn't like it. I'm just like you, Thomas. I don't like, I think you're worried about working with other people. I, a lot of times I like to work on my own. I just really like to work on my own. It's not that I don't like people. It's just, I'm a little more, uh, introverted and it exhausts me to be around people much more than it does other people, you know? And, uh, I, I don't really like, I don't really like drinking in a so I don't like drinking period. So social settings are always a little different. And, uh, I, you know, I don't like doing any drug and, uh, I don't really like working with a lot of people because there's usually a way I can make it happen. And then there's a lot of people in the way, but if you just are, if you want to make it happen for yourself, you got to get in the game and it might not even be poker that you're successful at at the end, but you will gain skills from all the lear- all the learning, all the toil, all the hustle. You know, every there's no successful person I've heard who was like, yeah, I was 27 and I was eating Captain Crunch at my mom's house where I've been living for the last nine years, and I went, I gotta be a comedian. Like that's never happened. Everybody's got the same story. They were on the road. They were in crappy hotels. They were. You know, that it was just not working. Every poker player I know who's been around for 10 years has the same story. I sucked at the beginning. I wasn't good. I was really struggling. I struggled. I made a lot of money. It didn't work out. I, I spent it incorrectly. I wasn't, I wasn't good with my finances. I was back at the bottom. I had to rebuild myself. Those are the people after 10 years, like, you can't tell me anything because I've been through everything. You can always do that, you know. It, everybody does this crap with me. It's like, I, you don't play poker the way I do. And it's like, I think you're going to be, uh, you're a terrible poker player. I think you're going to be, it's like, yeah, yeah. Do you know how many times I've done heard that crap, man? Like, there's nothing you can tell me because I've earned it. I've earned it. I have been through everything. I was in the game for 10 years. And now when you, you see me doing well with other businesses, you see me selling books, open studios and all that, that's because I failed for many, many years. And I didn't know how to manage my finances. I didn't know how to do things well. I didn't know how to manage myself. And every, you know, every week I felt like I wasn't going anywhere. Every week I felt like I was a one-hit wonder. I felt like I didn't do well enough. I felt like I was lucky. I felt like I couldn't do it. I felt like a hack. I felt like a fake. But all I did is every day I got up and I worked 8, 10, 12, 14 hours, more often 12, 14 hours. I put in 60 hours a week. I tried every day. I sat there and I said, how can I do this more intelligently? How can I improve? And every day it was hard and it was tough and it hurt, and it burned, but this is what it means to be alive, and one day I woke up, and I looked around, and I was like, my entire 
life had changed. I had become what I had wanted to become. I had done what I wanted to do. And I do believe that can be yours. It just takes hard work and it takes toil. Your sweat earns the secret. Good luck to you. And uh, like, listen to our last po- podcast, uh, Get Broke. That's kind of a s- similar uh, theme and uh, lots of good stuff in that. Alex, um, that's all we've got time for this week. Uh, how can people get in touch with you for your webinar again? It will be this Saturday, 12th of March, uh, 2016, in case anybody's listening to this in the future. <laughs> and uh, And how can they get in touch for also private one-on-one coaching uh write me at assassin coaching at gmail.com if you guys got questions about anything uh, my autoresponder will send you a lot of information right to begin with but i'll go ahead and i'll read it and i'll make sure everything gets answered uh and you know i'll probably just say hi or something like that uh but yeah if you have any questions about this webinar or you want to purchase a copy uh just let me uh you know just write me if you have any questions just let me know uh we'll go ahead and we'll get them done uh, be sure to follow me on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash the assassinato. And uh, also follow my website, pokerheadrush.com. That's kind of the fun website. If you enjoy this podcast, I think you'll enjoy a lot of the content there. Uh, there's my blogs, there's my trip reports, there's my strategy articles. Uh, there's uh, the most recent blog, it was talking about my last week, it was like watching French serial killer movies listening to sci-fi symphonic concept metal albums, watching UFC, uh, you know, doing lessons, writing articles, making Twitch videos, doing the smart poker study podcast and writing a time for this new battle. Uh, you know, the battle rap too, a lot of people are into, by the way, shout, shout out to sky. Uh, he had me on the smart poker study podcast. This is the nicest guy in the world. Uh, this super nice person, uh, really complimentary, really helpful. On the uh, on his podcast, really, uh, uh, is a great announcer too. By the way, Barry, I think I'm going to replace you. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it was it was it was really weird doing that again with someone for the first time because you and I have such like a banter and a pattern. You've kind of learned like when to let me go off on my jags and when to cut me off. You know what I mean? And uh, uh-huh. you know, it, it, when I was doing the we did a really good podcast, me and Sky, but uh, it, it was really weird. It made me feel like the first couple times you and I were doing Ask Alex, it's like, God, you know, without being able to see someone, it's so different, right? Uh-huh. And then, uh, but yeah, we pulled that off, and that was pretty cool. Uh, and then, uh, uh, yeah, also, uh, yeah, uh, sign up for my newsletter on PokerHeadRush.com, and you'll get every Thursday, you just get a pack of strategy content for free. There's the last one came with like three or four videos of just me playing poker and analyzing it and also going on rants about crazy topics. And then uh, the, the one before that had five strategy articles, count them five strategy articles attached. Uh, and uh, yeah, pretty much every Thursday I send you at least a strategy article. Uh, I do publish a lot of stuff in a lot of different areas. And there's a lot of times like I'll publish something in one magazine and you know, I sell the, I sell the article and I don't really know where they're going to put it up. And then I find out, you know, oh, it ran in Ireland. And this magazine is like, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then I get the rights for it a few months later and I, I get the, you know, I, I can send it to you guys 
for free. And then a lot of those articles, you know, when I get paid for them, I, I work my ass off on them, right? And I really do want a larger audience to see it. And then I write original articles most weeks. Uh, you know, I take something that's really prevalent uh, in the industry right then, and I try to uh, – I, I, I try to shed some light on it. I try to help uh, with, with playing poker, the game around poker, uh, and all that good stuff. And you do get deals on a lot of my products if you sign up for that. So go to PokerEdRush.com, and it's the, uh, it, it is the uh, sign-up thing right to the right. You just, uh, just enter your email and then click sign up, and then you confirm through the email, and you're already set up. And uh, – Check out Card Runners. Use promo code FREEMONTH, all capital letters. You get two months access to 2,000 plus videos for just $30 and $30 a month after that. Uh, and be sure to sign up for America's Card Room. If you sign up for America's Card Room, be sure to let me know. Write me at assassinatorcoaching at gmail.com with your email address that you signed up with. Once we verify that you deposited, you will get a free copy of You Flat Too Much. That's a, that's a check raise fool dissecting the dog better why Pisagno is right absolutely free just as a gift from me for signing up and you get 27% rate back. Just sign up through the link on this page. Do not put anything in the bonus code section that will tag you to some other affiliate. And then there is nothing I can do for you. Get your 27% rate back, sign up, play on one of the softest sites around. And you can see videos of me playing that on YouTube. Uh, you know, follow me on Twitter at the assassin auto, uh, or you can follow my Facebook page. You can click on it through uh, pokerheadrush.com. And uh, yeah, check uh, whenever the videos come out, I announce it there. Check it all out, man. We got a lot of stuff going on. Okay, and keep your questions coming in for Alex. Next show, email questions at oneouter.com, and we will get them uh, dissected and read out and never ridiculed. Uh, <laughs> until until the next episode, thanks for listening, and go and sign up for Alex's webinar on Saturday. Cheers. Salute. Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.